grab your coffee. It's time for an episode of Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative. I'm your host, Melissa Da Silva. Hello, Chit Chatters. I hope that things are going well for you. You know, I find it so interesting that humans have been able to clone animals, put a person on the moon, and understand what dark matter is. Me personally, I don't really understand it, but there are humans out there that do. And despite all of the growth we've done over the past, I don't know, 6,000 years or so, our brains still hold on to this primitive way of thinking. Tactics that were used as ways to stay alive when we were cave people are still things that we are inclined to do today. Now, what do I mean by all this? I mean our need for labels was something that was used to classify as good or bad, safe or unsafe, or okay for reproduction, not okay for reproduction. And most of the times these labels were created by observation if it was the safest way to do something. And that is how we were able to survive so long ago. Now fast forward to today, our brains naturally put people in a particular box. Our lizard brains still are trying to protect us in this way. It's also why we have anxiety, but that's for another conversation another day. My guest today and I discuss labels and how we don't need them on everything. Savannah Hawk also discusses this in her two books, Living with Cross-Dressing, Defining the New Normal, and Living with Cross-Dressing, Your True Identity. She is leading the way and helping us have a better understanding of what cross-dressing is and isn't. So be sure to pick up copies of her book on Amazon. So now for my interview with Savannah Hawk. Hello, Chit Chatters. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative. I am so excited today because I have an author and I just love authors because I have such a difficult time writing my words down and expressing how I feel. And I just think that authors are just magical when you can get those words out, share your feelings and ideas. And that's why I'm so excited today to have our guest, Savannah Hawk. Savannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I blown away by your podcast so far. I really wanted to be on your show. So being with you today is is kind of a dream. Um, just Ooh, saying. Just thank saying. you. Thank you. Now you are not an author of just one book, but you are an author of several books. Yes. Just to let the the listeners know, I am a dual gender individual. So uh, I have written books in both my female form as Savannah Hawk, and I also have a fictional zombie series in my mail form. So I think in total, I have, if I look at my bookshelf of all the stuff I kept for myself, I think I have like seven books out right now and working on two more. Holy smokes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is this your primary job? No, I actually have a full-time paying job aside from book writing and advocacy and podcasting, which you know about as well. So yeah, this is all passion work that I'm doing. And the more passionate the book is, I mean, the Savannah Hawk books that I do are super, super passionate and near and dear to my heart. So so tell us a little bit about the Savannah Hawk books. Well, Savannah Hawk books, it's, uh, there's two in the series at the moment, and I'm actually kind of ruminating about the third, and that topic is living with cross-dressing, and the first one is defining a new normal, which is about cross-dressing and like what type of cross-dresser you could be and how does it affect you and kind of the things that you may go through 
It talks about my journey up to that point of public uh, publication. And it really, it was um, primarily about couples. It was about being in a relationship and what your partner, either wife or girlfriend, would expect or what they may misunderstand about who you are and how do you kind of go through those trials and the grieving process, learning your partner has another side to them. And my own girlfriend, when we got together, and it's happening, you know, every girlfriend I've had knew about Savannah. But the problem is, is that there was no literature out there, whether 10 years ago or even five years ago, that really focused primarily on the non-transitioning, dual gender, cross-dressing male to female. And it was a struggle for her to, to, she read a bunch of books that were already out there, and they all kind of, not twisted, but they spoke about cross-dressing in a way that made it seem like we were all destined to transition, or we were all destined for a a destination that in our hearts is not where we were going to be. We're very happy where we are. So to try to now, you give this book to her to read, and then she says, but the book says that you're going to want to be a woman full-time. I'm like, no, that's not the case. This is just, uh, you know, I'm fluid. I'm, you know, genderqueer. I'm a dual identity. There, there's no need for me, no want for me to go all the way to the other side in a binary fashion. So that was kind of the genesis for the first book. Sorry, that was long-winded. No, but I think that's really interesting because now that the transgender topic is coming out and more people understanding it, I think people are becoming more confused about what does cross-dressing mean? You know, I feel like in the 80s, cross-dressing was a thing, and now it's kind of gotten lost. Can you just touch on what is the difference between cross-dressing and being transgender? Well, this is where it's going to get controversial, so this is going to mm-hmm. be huge. You're going to get a lot of call-in and write-ins about this. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I consider myself transgender. In the definition of the word, transgender only means across the genders, that you're doing something outside your biological you know, assigned at birth, male, no, I want to do something outside that, whether it's being gender fluid or, uh, you know, like one day you want to be female or you want to be androgynous or you want to dress as a woman. Yes, transition females, transitions, transmasculine, all these terms that we hear is all transgender. And under the, the general umbrella of transgender, we all exist. I feel we all exist because I don't see myself as a cross-dresser. I see myself as using cross-dressing to affect my feminine expression. Mm. So I I think what's we've used the word cross-dresser and transvestite before that for a hundred years. And it's kind of predated transgender as terminology. But they're not, they don't replace each other and they're not really in conflict with each other. Really, what it is is that we all are doing outside our biology. We're not cis. We're not like, I am genetically male and I love to do all things male. It's like, no, I have this feminine side. I explore it, I express it. You know, I go out into the world uh, as Savannah. And it ends up that cross dressing is seen as something fascistic. As a hobby, as like, oh, you're just doing it, you know, as like a pastime. You're not serious about it. So that word itself has got such a stigma to it that even in the writings and in the podcast that I do, we're trying to demystify that is like cross-dressing is not this thing that's that makes it less than for, for the community. It's just that we are 
more hidden or more underground or more closeted. And because we, we don't express it 100% of the time, therefore it's sometimes seen as being less serious because we can always kind of escape back to our male personas and kind of live life 90% as male and then just go out, you know, one day a week or in our homes just dressed up. So Now, if you were to come out to somebody and say, like, I wear women's clothes and I appear male most of the time, and how would somebody be best to respond to that? I had that experience where somebody was just like, I feel really comfortable with you. I just want to let you know that I cross-dress. And I'm like, huh. okay. <laughs> like, we just met. That's cool. Like, <laughs> Well, I guess my question to you is, uh, how did you react? Was it more was like, like, why are you telling me? No, I was just like, okay, no. But actually, well, I wear boxers sometimes, you know? Like, <laughs> so you're a cross-dresser too. I am. Yeah, I bet you have jeans on sometimes too. I know, right? <laughs> oh my God, we're all cross-dressers. Yes. Or I'm sorry, we're all cross-dressing. Let me True. say that. Yes. Um, to answer your question, I'll take one step back because there is a lot of risk assessment that we do. Almost on an instantaneous basis, we're constantly feeling and like getting the tone of a room, meaning like you and another person. And I tend to only tell people, and this is kind of a detriment as well, because I would love to just everybody to know and it not be a thing. And that's my goal in life is to, this is like who you know, you know me, you know Savannah, you know my male side, and there's there's no conversation about it, it just is. It's like, oh, you know this Savannah, it's like, oh, they like football. You know, I just want to be that. That is just a part of me. But in the meantime, as we struggle, and I'm in South Carolina. I'm in a red state. I'm in a very conservative state. I'm in a very religious state. So it can get very trying at times to be like, eh, who do I tell? Mm -hmm. But I find that the more I interact with somebody and the more I feel like I am doing them a disservice by not telling them, like feel like I'm lying to them versus protecting myself, then I feel that conversation should be had. So that's for my side, uh, which is very, you know, choosy. And then I have never, I've run the gamut of them being like, oh, um, okay, yeah, that's great, but not want to talk about it anymore. So they know it, but really not want to engage about it or ask questions. And then I got other ones who want to ask those questions. Oh, does that mean you're this or you're a drag queen or you're gay? And we have conversations about and educating. And then you have other ones who are just like, love, love, love the fact that you share this very personal part of yourself. And they may or may not want to ask questions about it, but they, they see that as such a, a sharing on such a deep personal level is that it brings you even closer together. Mm. Um, I've told coworkers that have become such tight, close friends because I shared myself with them. And it gives kind of a common bond like you will actually do do almost anything for that person now because mm -hmm. they are sharing such a deep part of your heart. Yeah, which is interesting because they brought it up like, oh, remember when I told you on their first meeting that I like to cross-dress? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and maybe it's because it's like an everyday thing for me with yeah. the, the therapeutic process that I do with my clients. It's just kind of like, Okay. <laughs> it's just more, yeah, for you, it seems as, it's so yeah. common for you. It's not mm -hmm. like you're not desensitized. You're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, cool. It's like, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're one of the people. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Versus so many people I know have never 
known. I mean, they probably have met cross-dressers before, but just didn't mm-hmm. realize it. So for me, it's like a brand new experience for them. And mm-hmm. um, so in, in that, I would love for it to be where everybody reacts like you would. Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. All right, moving on. You know, next, yeah. next story. But, yes. but now it is such a, a novelty and such a big event for so many people to like have this experience with somebody that they kind of like, sometimes they want to just like, okay, we'll leave it alone. Thank you for telling me. And and I appreciate you for telling me, but I'm just going to put it over here in this box. Mm-hmm. And other ones are just like, just celebratory and just want to like know about it. And what did you do this weekend? And even mm-hmm. with my advocacy, I do a hashtag Savannah Starbucks Sunday. And that is my way to advocate and show people that I can be a public face and to be out in the world and people can see me and people can give me double takes mm-hmm. and triple takes and kind of give me weird stares or, you know, furrowed brows or like what's going on here. You know, and I love that. I love being able to expose in a good way, mm-hmm. expose myself to the populace so they can see that we're not weird people that should be shunned. Mm-hmm. And that's such the big hurdle that we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, the second book that you wrote at Savannah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that second book, subtitled <laughs> Discovery Your True Identity, because um, that's the second in the series, was kind of the book I should have written first. Mm-hmm. And I realized that because the passion to write it for what my girlfriend was going through the first book, I kind of negated and forgot to let the cross-trusting person understand how best to find themselves. Okay. So mm-hmm. while there's a lot of lot of um, chapters borrowed and enhanced and edited from the first book to the second, my story got expanded. Um, so it kind of took in the move to South Carolina and expanded more. Like I would lived in terror for six months when we moved down to South Carolina, me and my girlfriend, because I was so afraid to go out with understanding or fearing this prejudice that was out there against me. And not finding community. It was so very hard to find a community of crossdressers in South Carolina. And then when, once I opened that up to a bigger group of people, a more expansive group, you know, gays, lesbians, parents of trans kids, PFLAG, all of a sudden it became like a bigger universe for me. And it really opened up my eyes to what was out there for me and the community. Um, but it was more like a study of self. It was like, why do you do this? How do you become self-actuated? How do you like find the self-confidence and self-reflection to realize that there is absolutely nothing wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And that was, again, kind of that first book. It's like, it's one thing to be discovered or have a conversation with somebody else and say, I am this person. But it really is like, how do you get to that point to be okay with having that conversation? And that second book really delves into the, the self-interest of like, have you looked at yourself? Do you know thyself? Are you going to transition? Are you ashamed? And why are you ashamed? Why do you see this as a secret shame that you can't share with others and be okay with you? Because it is okay to be the full you. Mm-hmm. And it was really more of that study of like letting people know that there are other people out there. You're not alone. This is not some weird fetishistic thing that People have told you it is or have indoctrinated you to believe it was truly and is truly more of a, there are so many of us out there, you just don't even know it. Mm -hmm. Now, in that book, do you offer like resources of like, where can you get hair or clothing that would fit? Stuff like that? Because I know from my clients, 
that can be a question that they have. Well, my co-host, uh, Julie Rubenstein on the Fox and the Phoenix podcast, that is what she does. Ah. She actually focuses on styling and uh, uh, how best to self-express outwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also been there very much as like a mentor and a guide on their journeys as well. Um, I focus more on like kind of the the esoteric and the psychological part of it um, because there's so many tutorials out there for like how best to do your makeup. There's so many things about you should wear this dress with this color. I don't even think I could compete on a very intellectual level to, to, for it to be relevant in a book that would be dated as soon as it was published. That is true, right? <laughs> things happen so fast so now. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I kind of stayed away from that one because I didn't feel I was an authority on mm-hmm. that. I mean, I know, how to do my own makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, I even um, met a couple yesterday, in fact, that um, had me, the wife surprised the husband, completely lied to the husband, said, hey, we're going to this state in our trip, and we're going to stay at this hotel so your family can come meet the baby. Little, be, little, little known to uh, the husband, the surprise was me. So I went over, I did a makeover, uh, we went out for the very first time. She had never been out as her femme self. So we went out to lunch all out there in public. We went downtown into Spartanburg, uh, where I live. And just, you talk about the second book, this is, that is what the second book is. The second book is understanding your beauty, understanding that your body is a beautiful thing, uh, regardless of male or female. And if you're male, you can look very passable and gorgeous and confident as a woman. And knowing that you can go outside, even if you need somebody to go with you, and then look around and see that people, one, don't care. They have their Mm -hmm. own lives. Two, may have a passing interest in what you're doing and who you are. Or three, be like, oh, look at that person. And even those people, that third group, is that group I want to be able to go home and say, hey, you know what, Mildred? I saw this cross-dressing person at the store today. And like, and they can have a conversation about it. Even if they like are very animatedly against who we are, they can have a conversation and realize that we are out in the world in a very normal fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, not in like, uh, you know, vinyl thigh high boots and yes. corsetry going to Starbucks. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think that is sometimes the picture people have in their head. So it's great that we have advocates out there such as yourself who are going out there and like teaching people the different ways people express themselves out in the community. And I thank you so much for doing that. I mean, it's so brave of you to do. And, you know, I'm sure the community appreciates that just as much too. So thank you so much. Um, Well, thank you for saying so, because for me, it's uh, new. This Mm -hmm. is Ironically, I lived in New York for 25 years. Mm -hmm. I was in Manhattan going to the clubs. I was on Long Island going to private events. It was only when I came down to South Carolina that I realized I needed to be visible for somebody else. Interesting. Interesting. Now, in New York, did you realize that cross-dressing was a part of your life? I've been a cross-dresser since the age of, let's say, five to seven, because it's it's very nebulous. I mean, I kind of always knew it was very, it was prepubescent. It was not something that came out with hormones of the teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just something, you know, you snuck into mom's bedroom and, you know, felt the clothing that you saw her put away after laundry and just have this want, desire to experience that. You know, kind of like those kids who put on mom's high heels and prayed Mm -hmm. around. Well, for me, it wasn't just 
a fair uh, parody or something a passing fad or fancy. It was part of who I was. Mm. But it took until going to New York to fully actualize Savannah as a, a full-fledged person. Mm-hmm. That was when I came up with the name. That was when I did my first head-to-toe with wig and makeup and went out in, in the real world as a real identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took, I was like 25, 26 at that point. Wow. And wow. so, and I spent many years there and, you know, it's only, I've only done it more and more and more in terms of like not feeling shame from others, being okay with who I am, uh, getting over my uh, dysphoria, not in like the a transitioning woman way where they have such a visceral dysphoria about their bodies. Cause I don't have that, but I do have a dysphoria about how do I make this male body that I know I live in? How do I make it look feminine in a way that I'm confident in its expression? Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's been something I've been fighting for a long time, too. It's like I always feel I my shoulders are too broad. I don't have the right curves. I'm too tall. I have too managed a face, a too big a nose. And I understand that, like, there's not one person in the world that doesn't have those feelings of self when they look in the mirror, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So the fact of like, as my male self, I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, (laughs) it's like, I I live with it. It's like, I'm used to it. It's like, I don't really have a a worry about how I look as a man, but as a woman is so magnified because I'm trying so desperately to express in a way that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can completely hear what you're saying. I mean, everybody does have some of that doubt about some way that they look and, you know, I'm glad that you figured out how it works for you and being able to accept. And I, I wish that for everybody, that we could all accept everything about ourselves and, you know, learn about it and why it's such an issue for us to, to deal with. Well, I have a, a beautiful, wonderful friend who said to me, and I'm going to steal her phrasing, <laughs> you just need to look in the right mirror. Oh, that's gorgeous. I love it. Oh, Instagram post right there, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, it's, and it's so true because when I look at anybody, all I see is a beauty, whether mm-hmm. it's their essence, whether there's physicality, whether it's a combination. And I always tell people, your heart elevates your beauty. Mm-hmm. Your physical beauty is physical beauty, but if you have somebody who is just a terrible person, that diminishes and fades so quickly. But you can yes. take any person's essence and just elevate their entire persona. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what she said. It's like, you look through my mirror and I'll look through your mirror and we'll see each other how you see me, not Mm -hmm. how I see myself. And start believing that the truth that people tell me, I can take as my own truth as well. Mm -hmm. And I have somebody that's a good friend of mine and she struggles with the way she looks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you are gorgeous. You have the perfect combination of male and female features. Like everything is just gorgeous about you. And yet the mirror that she's looking into is saying like, you're a man, Mm. you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's not what I see. I mean, oh my goodness, you could be a model. (laughs) Exactly right. And I'll even go one step further and say that people who have been raised to believe that we need to all be uh, women who are five seven to five nine at 120 pounds, uh, with just a certain amount of curves and measurements, mm-hmm. that, that that is the only standard of beauty, yeah. which I fought against 
mm-hmm. thinking I had to look a very specific way to be feel beautiful. And I challenge any person is like at whatever size, whatever shape, we all have beauty. It's not this standard stick figure that we've all been told we have to look like. It's like every one of us as individuals have such just a massive beauty inside us and outwardly that Mm -hmm. everybody else sees except for us. Yeah, absolutely. And over time too, you know, what society says is beautiful changes as well. So are Mm -hmm. we supposed to just change what society says? I mean, I've been rocking this fat ass for years before Kim K came along. (laughs) She stole my look. (laughs) I knew it. I knew there was something. I knew there was something. Well, look look at Renaissance paintings. Mm-hmm. where women were voluptuous and curvy and had weight to them. And you mm-hmm. know why that was considered beautiful? is because people who had money could eat. Yes. Therefore, their weight was actually a status. Mm-hmm. So if we just do ourselves, like you do you, I do me, we're all gorgeous, you yes. know, and yes. just accept that. You know, I think that's just something that we should all start learning, especially this time and age. Like we don't even get to see each other that often. Let's not waste our time on like judging each other. Let's just, just be loving and caring that's, for each it, other. Well, that's always for me the most important part. Um, but I will say that I always tell people that just be the best you. Mm-hmm. Whatever that best you is, whatever that thing that elevates you to that, so such a degree that you're like, yes, I am here. I have arrived. I am my best self. That best self will be that, like I said, that beauty that everybody sees. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we forget about that. We forget because it's like, well, we're in COVID and I'm, I'm not going to get out of my pajamas to go to Starbucks. I'll just stay in the car and put sweats on. I don't know. It's like, and, and you don't take that personal self-care. Mm-hmm. That's that second component. Yes, we all have beauty. It all radiates. But if you just kind of let it go and kind of forget it, then you're sabotaging your own self-care. So mm. self-care is so super important to just have as part of your life, whatever that is, whether it's yoga or eating right. Uh, I have or, to admit, I haven't showered in two days. <laughs> well, thank God we're on a Zoom call, so I, I can't. Right? <laughs> but my beauty still shines through with my That's sweaty ex- hair. <laughs> exactly right. I thought that was just your look. I thought you were going with nope. a, wet, a wet look. In these glasses, they're not oh. prescription. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a very, um, who is it that I'm thinking of? I don't know, what, 30 Rock? You know, yes, kind of, kind yes, of yes. I love it. <laughs> These glasses are like, ooh, professional, Melissa. <laughs> you know what? And I dressed up for you because we're on a Zoom call watching oh, each other. Oh, thank you. And I put a poncho that I got for Christmas from a girlfriend. I got that on. So I just, I, I wanted to be um, presentable. And, and, thank you. Yeah. Thank Plus you. It was I just, appreciate that. Well, I try. I mean, you know, at least today wasn't like my third outfit option. You know, yesterday I, I had a several outfits thrown on the bed because I wanted to look perfect for this couple that I was with. So mm-hmm. today was about, no, I know exactly what I'm wearing. I got my leggings and my blouse and my poncho. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I did put a bra on today. So get that. I did as well. So we both <laughs> nice. have that in common. Woo! <laughs> So, Savannah, you have these zombie books. Where did this come from? (laughs) Uh, My love of horror. Ooh, okay. I love horror. I love dystopia. I love zombies because, for me, that's my favorite monster uh, Mm -hmm. because 
that just reflects who you are as a monster. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the menace that they are. It's always and maybe it's this little psychology thing that I'm all into. It's like I love the fact that it's not glittery, perfect romanticism of the vampire, or even the feral nature of, of like a werewolf um, or a misunderstood monster who just wants to do his own things. Like zombies just are a foil for how we are as monsters. So mm. I always found that fascinating in whether it's in writing or in film or in television. I, for, for me, it was always like, you know, you were the worst part. It was mm-hmm. never the zombie. It was you, like, you know, uh, caving into, like, your base instincts or this kind of the Lord of the Flies mentality. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's where that kind of came from. Like, that was always a genesis. And I've been trying to write something. You know, you were talking about writing and how you mm-hmm. struggle with your words. And I wrote... I got a book called Creative Writing from my sister years ago. So I spent my summer between high school and college writing my future masterpiece. At, you know, and I got about uh, 200 or 180 uh, single-space typewritten pages done. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, but then college happened, and then life happened, and never to write again until years years later. But it was always part of my spirit to write. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to I want to go back to because you talked about you know the struggle of finding the right words or writing these words down. I have heard, and this is not like self aggrandizing, but I have been so blessed with the fact I was able to write my own story that I get comments from people through social media or you know just private messaging that they said, "Oh my God, when I read your book, I felt like you were writing my story," mm. and. That, to me, is so fulfilling because I never intended, I don't know what I intended, honestly. I didn't think I would sell more than one book, honestly. It was just like, I did it. I knew I could do it. It was important to me to write. And if it sold a couple, fine. But to actually hear things about like, oh, my God, I read your first book and it saved our marriage. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I just realized by reading your book, I'm not the only one out here. Or that you're telling my story. And I'm like, but we live in an age of the internet. Don't we all know that we're not alone? I know. And that's what blew my mind is like, how does this book that I wrote, like all of a sudden become like so centric to your change? When for me, it's like, but I could just type in these words on the interweb and, you know, I'll find stuff. So for me, I was I was dumbfounded by the fact that I was able to write and able to connect Mm. And um, for me, that's actually fostered me to want to do more mm-hmm. and to advocate more and to have the podcast and speak out in a different medium that people can hear mm-hmm. and hear me and my co-hosts like banter back and forth about topics, um, whether frivolous or, you know, imperative, you know, it didn't yeah. matter. Now, how do you find the time for your creativity? I know a lot of people will say, I don't have any time. Uh, how do you find time? I don't. Um, you know, it, you, we were talking about how I have a full-time job, five days mm-hmm. a week, uh, like eight o'clock to five. Uh, my evenings are are focused on my girlfriend and the things she needs to get done for her own business. She has her own home business that we, oh. we work on. And then we pretty much collapse on the couch and watch Netflix for two, three hours at the end of mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can tell you is that I use my free time. Um, like vacation time, uh, Sundays, which are kind of focused and dedicated to Savannah and her craft, whether it's uh, just to be visible or to be friends or to to focus on editing and writing. Uh, but I get up, I try to get up early 
I try to get up like 530, mm-hmm. uh, if at all possible. And I will spend whatever that portion of time is before I need to be at work to do something, to do something that's either a blog post or editing the podcast or editing some writing or writing something new. That is my time. That's like the time I dedicate to that craft for Savannah to do what she needs to do. Is it enough? No, absolutely not. I wish I had so much more time to like spend days and days focused only on it. But it's what I do as a discipline. Mm -hmm. You get something done, even if it's like a paragraph. I mean, I'm I'm working on um, a young adult dystopian LGBTQ coming of age story. Mm-hmm. which is basically how do I talk about cross-dressing and gender duality in a way that seems more sci-fi mm-hmm. and not okay. on, and not on the nose, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. I, I want stuff, I want stuff like assigned at birth. All these things are out there. I want, I want there to be more literature for people to, to say, oh my God, that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that, I'm about 200 pages in, and I'm basically rewriting the entire first 200 pages and it has been arduous. Dude. So I will work for an hour and basically rewrite, I don't know, 100 words. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a struggle. But it's like every little bit. If you come look at a month from now, you'll realize you got something done. Mm-hmm. One trick that I found is if you take a long flight and you're trapped on a plane, you can write a lot there. <laughs> yes. Or if you're waiting between layovers. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I've definitely found that those trips like force you because you have nothing else to do mm-hmm. and really nothing to to draw you away unless you're really social. You know, yep. like you start talking to everybody, you'll find a way to not do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you like kind of say, well, I'm here, I got my laptop on my lap and they said I can turn on my electronic devices, I guess I'm going to get to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even just pen and paper. I had to do it pen and paper and then type. Mm-hmm. I had oh to, God, I really? write everything twice. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I tried to do uh, text, uh, talk to text on my mm-hmm. phone during my commutes home uh, when I lived in New York, which were like an hour. I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't I be productive? Until I actually read what I wrote and I couldn't decipher any of it. That's my fear. Yes. <laughs> well, the problem is you have to actually do punctuation. Mm-hmm. You have to say quotes. I know you're the one who did it, comma, end quote, she said, period. You have to say that. Yes. <laughs> you have to think that way. And then way, like, and then when it starts going off the rails, you're like, I don't even know what that word was that I said. Siri doesn't like my uh, Rhode Island accent. We come up with some <laughs> weird words. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. And I know there's better products out there that could do better jobs. But I said, you know what? I'm going to just type it and let those little squiggle lines tell me I spelled it wrong and then go back. Yes. Yes. Those are a savior. Let me tell you. (laughs) Absolutely for me. I couldn't do it without it. So Savannah, thank you so much for sharing so much of your story with us today. I'm hoping that this inspires other people to get out there and write and just be who they are and not feel that they're being judged for it and just, you know, love each other for who we are. And thank you so much for all that you do. I'm so very happy to have met you today. Thank you so much. I thank you for having me and what you're doing is amazing. Thank you so much. And I am sure we will talk to you soon. And I'm sure everybody's going to be getting these books, especially the therapist people that I uh, connect with, because it will be nice to be able to have a book for each person when they come into the therapy session. Be Mm. like, this one's great for you. This one's great for you. And then switch between sessions. (laughs) That's actually, that was one of my goals is uh, on LinkedIn was just to do that too. Like people know that we're out here. 
Yes. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you you have a wonderful day. You too. I could have chatted with Savannah for hours, so be sure to listen to her podcast, The Fox and the Phoenix Podcast, and follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Savannah Hawk, and visit her website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And if you are finding it difficult to stick to your resolutions this year and actually want transformation to happen, pop over to my website and download my new free 30-day transformational journal. And as always, you're welcome to sign up for a free consultation with me if you're looking for a little more help with your transformation progress. So until next time, keep loving each other and keep being amazing. Bye-bye.